Welcome to the 76th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and the pilot to the Spider-Man No Way Home hype helicarrier, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? General Kenobi, it goes quite well. How are you, Simon Eady? I'm doing, I'm doing okay. I'm not feeling the greatest. It is also very early in the morning. Mm-hmm. We are recording this at six in the morning, Adrian. Yeah. We're recording this at an unprecedented time. Yeah. So if our voices sound a little weirder, that's because we just woke up. Literally. Yeah. 20 minutes ago. Yeah. But I'm down to do this. I'm down to talk to you this early in the morning. There's very few people I'm willing to talk to you this early in the morning, Simon, and you're one of them. Hmm. Hmm. Do you want to tell the audience why we have to do this? Sure. At this ungodly hour? Yeah, I had a power outage yesterday unfortunately how dare you yeah um yeah it's not ideal and uh yeah you know i got home there was no power i had a candle lit in like some sort of medieval time human being walking through these (laughs) dark hallways like what's going on here it's so dark it's pitch black yeah your vocab in the morning here is fantastic thanks man you're you had a candle lit in Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> I had a candle lit in and, uh, yeah. And then, uh, you weren't feeling too well. So you were like, Hey, if your power's not back, I'm going to, I'm going to take a little sleepy poo because I'm not feeling too well. And I was like, Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. You're not feeling well. Well, so sorry. Hold up. I almost just broke. Uh, you didn't actually message me. You messaged. I don't know who you message. Yeah. You sent, you sent carrier pigeon. To you? Because that would still be messaging you. Uh, damn, I don't know, man. And talking outside this podcast, which we never do, Adrian. Never have, so never will. I'm waiting for you, for you to dig yourself out of this hole you've you've dug. You messaged my sister. Ah, uh, yes. And, and my sister's like, Simon's sick. And I was like, oh, no, that's, that's awful. You can tell Simon to feel better. And then um, and that we should record it bright and early in the morning. And then she sent you that message. And now we're here. Indeed. Indeed. That's a crazy tale you just told. Thanks, man. <laughs> At least negative two speed compared to before. Compared to regular times that are not six in the morning. But you tried, and I can appreciate that. Yeah, I'll always try. At least a little bit. It's good. You're really sipping that coffee, too. I can just hear it on camera. Sorry. On camera? We're not even on camera, dude. Is there a camera in my room? Did you set one in here the entire time? Of course. What are you talking about? Have you been watching me sleep? That was a requirement. You don't remember this contract you signed? Jimmy no. brought the paperwork by like a year and a half ago. I don't know how to read. <laughs> you just signed things without reading it or understanding yeah. it? Yeah. It, fine, if you don't know how to read, you should probably get somebody like a lawyer or something to translate for you. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe maybe next time. A self-burn there. A self-burn. I don't know how to read. <laughs> Those are rare. All right, let's move on, Adrian. Let's move on to something exciting, which is, this is the final week. The final week to really talk up that Spider-Man No Way Home hype. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's true. This is the final week in which I intro you as a hype man, a hype guy for Spider-Man No Way Home, mm-hmm. as I've done every episode for some number of episodes. That I haven't really kept track of that. About 30. But, um, 30. Uh, yeah, that's that's an estimate. But anyway, um, to actually not go directly into that, but to go into something kind of related, okay. because it could be directly related, we just okay. don't know. Kevin Feige was in an interview with Cinema Blend, which is not a source that I necessarily think is the is the greatest, but I never think that they're necessarily their information is wrong. I just find that they are usually like a secondary source or like a tertiary source, like not a primary one. But Cinema Blend, uh, I've read them before, and apparently they talked to Kevin Feige, who of course is the producer, the big wig producer who runs the Marvel Cinematic Universe over at Disney. And he specifically said in a question, in an answer to a question from Cinema Blend about an incarnation of Daredevil upcoming potentially in the MCU. He answered that Charlie Cox would be returning, that actor Charlie Cox would be returning as Matthew Murdoch, aka Daredevil, in the MCU sometime <gasps> in the future. But he wouldn't specify when. You'd have to, you know, wait to find out. I thought that was interesting. That was very interesting. It was. It was, Simon. And there's lots of rumors that he is in Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. Although there's also rumors that like literally every character that the MCU has ever made is, is, in, in, is in Spider-Man No Way Home. That's also a good point. So I don't, I don't know if that's true, but it would be kind of cool. And I was thinking about this. Um, you know, there's like you got this Hawkeye show in New York. So like theoretically, maybe something there. I don't know. And then you got... Like, we don't know what's happening. There's there's a good chance that he could show up in many different shows. There's also... I, I was looking at the timing for the Hawkeye series mm-hmm. and No Way Home. And they kind of... No Way Home is going to air just after the second last episode of Hawkeye. The penultimate episode of Hawkeye. I was thinking also that they aired two episodes of Hawkeye right from the get-go. They put Mm -hmm. them back to back right in the beginning, the first day. So I wonder if there's a like if if there's a reason why they would even launch two episodes of Hawkeye right away, considering they know that their Marvel series on Disney Plus are incredibly popular. Is there a reason to run two back to back if there's no overlap with the the only other MCU movie coming out simultaneously? Mm -hmm. Because the intertwinedness of the MCU is what makes the MCU MCU so beautiful. I think you would agree. Yeah. Yeah. My like, I'm thinking a little bit more simply, I think the reason they just had those two episodes at the same time is so Hawkeye finishes just before Christmas. Yeah, because it is a Christmas movie, but you could. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. That's my thought process. That is a good point. Because it would just finish Mm -hmm. right before. But yeah, Yeah. it's true. Um, You've been watching Hawkeye, eh? like you watched Mm -hmm. episode four, I assume. Ooh, baby, I did. We're obviously not going to spoil anything here because we just don't spoil anything on this podcast. We try not to, uh, mm-hmm. although to uh, our longtime listener, Kenneth Stadelbauer Chagrin, because he thinks we do spoil things. We, we try to just mm-hmm. tease things based on what if they're with, whether they're in the trailer or not, or in the poster, or in the mm-hmm. description. And I think we do a pretty good job of that. I don't know what you think. I think... Sorry, you think something or you just think? Because I know I do think, yeah. I know you think, yeah. That that's fair, man. You are tired. You're just like cutting your sentence in short at uh, two words now. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. very efficient. It's very, 
It's quite efficient. <laughs> Thanks. I'm all about efficiency, baby. Anyways, I love this Hawkeye show. I just want to say this briefly. The, the Hawkeye series, episode four was amazing. I just want to point out one thing. It's again, not a spoiler. But the, the, I said just moments ago that the tie-ins to the rest of the MCU is what makes that show amazing. Mm-hmm. And the episode four, there's specifically a moment in that episode where they use the music from Endgame. And I was just like, I, I was almost uh, pushed to tears. It mm-hmm. was very, 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 very well done. And I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but we're not going to spoil it here. So it doesn't I matter. do. It's near the end of the episode. Oh, is it? I don't remember that. Is it not? I don't remember it being at the end of the episode. Um, anyway. Um, but yeah, it's very, very heartfelt. Uh, it's very, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's between two characters. And I thought that it was really, really well done. And they just, the, the fact that they can use, and they do use the music from other composers that are not the composer of the series or they're, they're actually showing. That's a huge, I don't know, not, I was going to say power move, but it is like, it's a very powerful thing that they're able to do that. And when, they, whenever they do that, whenever they use characters or use, um, music or use different flavorings from the rest of the MCU, just like adding certain characters to the Marvel logo in the beginning of like that title sequence. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, I don't know. It brings it all together and it's what makes the Marvel Cinematic Universe special deep down, I think. Yeah, that's, I can't say that any better. We'll see what happens in the rest of this show. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious. And yeah, like with the whole confirmation of Matthew Murdoch, um, or sorry, Charlie Cox coming back as Matthew Murdoch. Um, oh my God, my brain. The guy that uh, plays Wilson Fisk, why am I forgetting that actor's name? Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio, you know, like tweeted and was all like, oh, congratulations to my pal Charlie Cox for being brought back into the universe. Yeah, I did see that. I'm yeah. sitting there, I'm like, you son of a gun, you're back too. I know it. You're coming back too, aren't you? Yeah, I feel like if you bring back Charlie Cox, who did a great job in his performance, like his portrayal as Matthew Murdoch, but like you got to bring back Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin because mm-hmm. he's just so good. Yeah. Like his portrayal of Kingpin is spot on, in my opinion. And I mean, they could find somebody else, but he's just so good. Why would you not reward him when he very likely wants to get back in? Oh, yeah. Like based on his past tweets and uh, various interviews. Yeah, it'd be foolish. Be foolish not to, Simon. Yes. 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 Let's reach into the mailbag for a moment here, shall we? We ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of Twitter or by email to splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And longtime listener, longtime Split Focus contributor, Kenneth Stadabauer wrote into us and he said, Dudes, I don't think the potential merger of the Netflix MCU superheroes need be that difficult. Characters can acknowledge a shared past without having to say, remember when we fought those hand ninjas in season three? Question mark. The characters may even present differently, some people in new situations. Villains would deal with Avengers differently than they deal with vigilantes, largely limited to Hell's Kitchen. I'm curious and anxious to see how they will handle the transitions, if when they happen. Speaking of supers, with John Watts comparing Spider-Man No Way Home to Avengers Endgame, I'll be disappointed if they don't have a scene with Holland's Spider-Man outnumbered by bad guys, about to be overwhelmed, and Doctor Strange gating in multiverse spider dudes. Maybe even have Venom joining the fray and morphing the white spider on his torso. Sure, it would scream fan service, but why not? A quote And a quote here... Actually, that's weird. He didn't sign Kenneth. What? And Yeah, it's weird. He didn't sign off? How, how do we even know this is Kenneth? Yeah, it could be it could be some kind of imposter. There's no 
there's no signature signed Kenneth. Anyway, whatever. Is it, he put a quote here? Maybe it's actually this whole thing's by Ivy Oaks who did this quote. What if the endings are just a fresh start? Maybe it just depends on the way you look at it. A quote by, as I just said it, Ivy Oaks. Nice. Adrian, assuming this is Kenneth, um, thank you, Kenneth Stadelbauer, for writing it into us. Uh, I thought I would uh, throw this little mailbag email in a little earlier than I anticipated, just because I thought it connected with what we were just talking about. It's true. And um, I was a little bit uh, harsh. I don't know about harsh. I was a little bit curious about how they would, uh, last week, about how they would merge mm-hmm. those superheroes, how they might merge them together. Because we talked about the Kingpin. Did we talk about, what did we talk about last week? I can't even remember now. We I can't remember about- anything at this early in the morning. I I don't remember anything ever at any time of day. Yeah, I know. I thought it was 2020 two days ago. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like we talked about like how we could or how they could fold in the Netflix characters into the MCU and, you know, still kind of honor the past, but not necessarily rely on everything that happened before it. And then I kind of made yeah. the argument like, yeah, you know, they could bring in these characters, but they can pick and choose sort of what happened in the Netflix series is. Or pick and choose, I guess, what to acknowledge in the Netflix series is. And you said, no, they must acknowledge everything, you you stupid idiot. No. I was like, Simon, please. No, no, no. I killed the bus driver. No, no. (laughs) No, that's not what I said. I did not say that. Um, But I I did kind of disagree. I was like on the fence. I was like, I'm a little worried about this. I think... I'm more on you and Ken's side, though. I think that, uh, you know, I'm coming around on this. I think it's the same situation as Spider-Man Homecoming. That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. If you recall Spider-Man Homecoming, they didn't really do an origin story for Peter Parker again because they've done it like 10 times. So they decided to do it in a way that was more, um, you know, you know the story. You know the story, audience. You, we don't need to go over that. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciated that. Um, so I think that, I think that they can do it that way if they do it delicately because I think they did that very well in Homecoming and I think that that's the benefit. We're not even Homecoming, sorry, or Civil War, I guess. That's kind of how they introduced Spider-Man. Yeah, good call. Captain America Civil War. But but my point was, my point is, that I think if you do it delicate, the delicateness is the key though because there is a lot of shared history if you do cast because it's, it's a little different than casting Tom Holland who wasn't Spider-Man before. You were casting the same characters, mm-hmm. like the same actors, and Vincent D'Onofrio theoretically, and Charlie Cox. So mm-hmm. the shared history between those characters—if you're—you just got to make sure that the audience's imagination doesn't necessarily run wild about how they're connected, because they literally have faced off in a cinematic, fa- uh, like fashion before. Mm-hmm. Have we seen something like that before, where they change the narrative retroactively, and then the same actors are cast, but it's the same characters? You know what I'm talking about? In anything else. It doesn't have to be Marvel. It could be anything. I should also say in a way that worked well as well. That's also important. I don't think so, but this harkens back to the fact that this is literally a multiverse now. Yeah. So you can well, make, I don't know. Like, I guess the Daredevil kind of. show could have been a multi, like a different universe is what I'm saying. Yeah. The Halloween movies, they did that. Where it's like they brought back the same actors but they kind of rebooted the universe. So like Halloween 2018 is technically a direct sequel to Halloween 1978 or whatever. Right. Even though there were other movie movies and it was yeah. played by like s- similar actors and stuff like that. Okay. Th- that's a good example of maybe yeah. not doing it well. Cause I mean, those movies, 
aren't on the level of the MCU. Whoa, and whoa, I feel like whoa. the last movie is actually really, really badly reviewed. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's not... It's a fun time, dude. It's not a good I movie. I know, but if you but look at the fun. overall box office history, I, I'm pretty sure they're not phenomenal. They're also rated R, so they're yeah. they're already at a, a, you know, a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. But Deadpool, I guess, would be another example. Played by Ryan Reynolds. Deadpool. How did De- Deadpool... Wait, what? Because, like, X-Men Origins Wolverine technically didn't happen in the Deadpool universe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but they rebooted that. Yeah, I guess. That's a reboot. But that's a good... That is not a bad example, though. Also a terrible movie. The first one's also terrible, though. So it's not quite the same again. The first Deadpool? Or you mean the... The uh, the one they rebooted from. Like, the Daredevil show is awesome. Sorry, did I say Daredevil? I meant Deadpool. Deadpool. Okay. Sorry, I'm very confused. We're comparing it to Daredevil right now. That's what we're doing. Daredevil to Deadpool. Is that, what, is that not what you're trying to say? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. Uh, wait, no. Is this like, an old age home? Like, what? I think so. Uh, what? Because no, like. What? Wait, well, yeah. Anyways, doesn't Agent, matter. What? Sorry. Can you say that <laughs> a little louder? Anyways, let's, let's move on. I, I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I don't either. I think it makes sense, though. I think I understand. It does, but it doesn't because that that first movie is awful. Can we agree? X Men Origins is not a good movie. It's a pretty good movie. It is. You actually think it's good? Yeah, they got Leave Schreiber in it. Okay, so good to know. You'd like that movie and Ready Player One. I hate Ready Player One. That's a bad movie. But X Men Origins is a good movie. Yeah, man, that Deadpool fight scene at the end, where they remember when they sewed Deadpool's mouth shut. I was like, wow, what a what a unique choice. So creative. That's what I said. Okay. I you, you're joking probably, but like you, you know that the audience we get on a day, you know, on a, a weekly basis, they don't necessarily know you. Mm. So I, I'm sure they could get the idea that you are joking, but it's uh it's hard for me to make points if you don't admit to things that are so this is the same thing then. Daredevil is a great show. X-Men Origins on the same level as Daredevil, the series on Netflix. Same level in your opinion. Arguably better, yeah. What, are we are we actually critics or are we like we just like flounder flounder fools over here? Flounder from Little Mermaid? Oh my god, you're just derailing this. This is this is derailed in the first 20 minutes of the show here. It's true. All right, let's move on. You can't you can't keep keep focused. You better sip that coffee, bro, because you're not uh this isn't happening right now. I already now. checked it all back. I drank it all. It's just a matter of time that'll You put it all back? Is that what you just said? You put it back in the cup? Like from your <laughs> Yeah, I drank it all, then then regurgitated it back into my cup. No, I drank it all. Jesus Christ. It's like Vincent D'Onofrio from the movie uh Men in Black. Yeah. I don't really remember that movie. I'm just agreed with you. I just remember Vincent D'Onofrio. It freaked me out as a child. You remember Will Smith? He's also in that movie. You just said you don't remember that movie. <laughs> You're not yes ending me at all here. This is like a one way street. You just you agree and then you disagree immediately after I agree with you again. What is this? Who are you? Oh my god, this is not working out so far. No. Not, note to self: don't do this at six in the morning next time. Yeah, li- literally never. Let's never do this again at this time. Well, we might have to. If you get power outages that last you all night, I don't know. There's wind, Simon. There's gusts of wind. Yeah, if, there, <laughs> if there's wind, we might have to do this again at six in the morning. If there's wind, okay. Yeah, it's dangerous. You never know. Yeah, it's true. Okay. Adrian, let's move back into uh, a slow, a slow a clarification right now. Okay. Uh, we talked about House of Gucci last week, right? The movie mm-hmm. by Ridley yeah. Scott. Okay. 
Yeah. Good. We're on the same page so far. Pretty good movie. Okay. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I just wanted to make a quick clarification because people have talked, and specifically Roberto Bentevenia, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's a screenwriter who wrote House of Gucci for Ridley Scott in the studio, I guess, and for himself. But anyway, he wrote the movie, and he specifically said – he was quoted, I think it was in Deadline. I can't remember exactly. It was an article. And uh, he was saying that Jared Leto, he never met Jared Leto. He just met Paolo Gucci. That every time he, every time he met, met on set, um, he was Paolo Gucci. He was completely in character. And there was a, there was a sentiment um, from the rest of the cast and crew, I think, that that was kind of the way it was. In fact, Jared Leto actually did his, like they did the, his makeup uh, the makeup artists and you know they, they put the prosthetics on his face prior to even going to the set he had a, a separate location just to get the makeup applied so that he could come there Ugh. as Paolo Gucci which is something that we've talked about a lot on this show in the way that Jared Leto is a method actor and that he specifically tries to to stay in character throughout his filming of a specific character and in this case Paolo Gucci which I, I know that you love, Adrian. Am I wrong? No. I mean, yes. Shit. <laughs> I, wait. Yeah, you are wrong. Um, yeah, I I hate this. I hate this. I, I regret saying anything positive about Jared Leto last week. It pisses me off. I Like, I think it's just so dumb. Like, again, the idea that when he did Blade Runner 2049, he pretended to be blind on set the entire time. Or, like, sending rats in boxes while he's the Joker in, in Suicide Squad. It's just so pretentious and annoying yeah sure he did a good job in this house of gucci movie but it's just an i just hate this i just hate this i don't like him as a human being <laughs> i feel bad saying it but god damn it's so freaking frustrating hearing shit like this like what uh, whatever what do you think about this Simon? um i think it's cool it's fine i just was thinking recently though about what i thought about jared leto's performance because i was mentioning last week that i saw jared leto through the prosthetics i could see him because i could see his eyes and i could hear his voice and the reason why i I was figuring i think i've kind of figured it out i'm fairly certain now the reason why i felt like that is because i felt like his performance wasn't human enough for me to really get lost in it and um I think his performance is still really good. It's great, but it's outrageous and it moves to the extreme so far that it doesn't really come back to be reeled in by uh, the kind of the human performance that I could, I, I came to expect as an example from um, The Darkest Hour with uh, Gary Oldman. And that Gary Oldman, mm-hmm. honestly, he's a real guy. Like he felt like he was Winston Churchill. Like I, I watched that performance and I initially heard Gary Oldman's voice, but as the performance went on, I kind of got lost in it. And I'm not sure I ever got lost in this performance from Leto. And I I think that that's the reason why. If you watch Adam Driver and Lady Gaga in this movie, I find that you get lost in their performance. They're very emotional and you can feel the emotion. You can feel their relatability. And I felt like that helped that performance along. And those performances, in my opinion, are better because of that. Um, they're all good, all three of them, but I think that those two do a better job because of the more human performance, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. they're vul- they're more vulnerable, and like they're they're honestly, it's harder to do, in my opinion, what Gaga and Dr- Driver did. Um, I I think because of the fact that you can see the human being, kind of well through the performance for sure, but like in Gary Oldman's case, you can see the 
human being through the prosthetics, if that makes sense. Whereas he's mm -hmm. kind of larger than life as Paolo Gucci to such an extent that it's almost like, I don't know, do I believe this is a guy? I do. I do because I still think his performance is good, but it almost became distracting like because I, I kind of kept seeing Leto through his eyes. I just have seen too many performances with him, I guess, that I think that that's become distracting. But then again, Gary Oldman, I've seen lots of performances with him. I, I love him as, as many performances. He's great in that mm -hmm. uh, Planet of the Apes sequel. He's obviously amazing as Commissioner Gordon. Um, he kind of just falls into his roles and he becomes the character. But, um, but yeah, that's, I, I was trying to put a finger on it for a week and I decided that I would chime in about that. Is Jared Leto's performance great? Yes, it's still great, but it could have been better. And that's where it would have been better is if he, even when he's sad, it's like, there's this, this, this clownishness about it. That's just, it's kind of just, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Do you? Kind of get it. Yeah, it's a little bit over the top. It's um, everything's over the top. Like, is there anything I'm, that wasn't in the entire thing? Yeah, I mean, you make a good, you make a good point. Like, it's it's almost offensive <laughs> in a way. Like the way he acts, just like such a like such a stereotypical Italian. Um, like, yeah, I can kind of see it. He there is like a level of clownishness to his character. I thought. I kind of just thought that was on purpose, though. I think, yeah, yeah for uh, sure, because his character is is used as comic relief, yeah, quite like pretty much exclusively. Like, I don't think there's any really. There's maybe one like scene where it's a little bit more serious with him, but every other scene, it's like played off as a comedy with him. So I don't know. Maybe that was the intention, but yeah, I definitely get your points, man. Yeah, like the I think it's the intention too, and I think that the 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 contrast between him and Adam Driver, um, as Maurice, Maurice or him Gucci, and Jeremy Irons or Jeremy um, Irons, like perfect, yeah, like I or yeah, Al Pacino the one scene in particular, mm -hmm, that as well. Yeah, like they're they're all kind of relatively, you know, more normal, I guess, whatever normal is really, but they're more ordinary, and. Uh, yeah. And Paolo is not, and that 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 help. I feel like that that's great because it makes it more funny because he's so much more extreme. It's good, but then it just feels like he didn't reach into the humanity aspect enough to make it like truly amazing. And that's kind of where yeah. my distraction came from. I I think that that makes the most sense to me because I, I was really trying to figure it out because it didn't make sense. And I I was confused last week when we talked about it and reviewed House of Gucci. I was I was like I don't quite understand why I kept seeing Jared Leto. Anyway, that's my that's my two cents. Mm -hmm. Okay, Adrian, what have you been watching this week, buddy? Have you, have you watched anything specific? Anything amazing? Uh, not really, honestly. Like it, it I didn't see too much. Like I, I'm continuing to watch Dexter, New Blood. Um, I continued to watch uh, Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai, uh, but I don't have too much to add for those. But there was a couple of big trailers that came out. Um, actually, during the Game Awards. Sorry, Ken, for talking about video games. And uh, one of them was the Sonic uh, versus Knuckles Dawn of Blue Justice trailer, which is the sequel to Sonic, the Hedgehog movie. Yes. There's yeah, the, 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 there's a line where he's, like, where Sonic is like workshopping names, and he calls himself Blue Justice in the trailer. So I think that's what the name of the movie is. But uh, I don't know. Like, I like that original Sonic movie. I think this trailer is actually pretty hype. And then the uh, introduction of Idris Alba playing um, uh, Knuckles was neat. I remember specifically when Idris Alba was cast, he said that he's not going to make Knuckles' voice sexy. Um, 
I think that was a poorly aged statement. He's definitely doing sexy knuckles. That's what he's going for. <laughs> I think it's very clear. What? Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, one thing I thought w- that was pretty neat is that they, I, I don't have the name in front of me, but they brought back the original voice actor for Tails, actually, from like the games and stuff. Um, so that was a little bit Colleen uh, O'Shaughnessy, Adrian Colleen, Colleen O'Shaughnessy. Yeah, they brought they they brought her back, um, and I thought that was neat. It was a it actually tickled this nostalgia bone in my brain or whatever, um, where I was like, oh yeah, that that voice is so recognizable, it really and is so obvious. It's kind of funny because um, I don't remember watching too much with Sonic, but she's just so that character that that character just felt mm-hmm. like that character when when I when you Thanks. Tails comes up on screen says a line, I'm like, whoa. We got the professionals in the house now. It's true. Yeah, I can't agree more. And uh, yeah, I just find that like really interesting. I'm glad that they brought back uh, that voice actress um, to play that role. Yeah, sorry, it's Colleen O'Shaughnessy, Adrian. Just it looked like you were yeah, you were tied up there. You thought you know you were about to say it. But you're like, I'm not going to take a chance. I, I don't exactly <laughs> know it. Just so you're aware, Colleen O'Shaughnessy. Colleen O'Shaughnessy. Also, also. Just to to talk a little bit about this movie, which is obviously a video game adaptation for that's why I was at the video game awards. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, obviously a, Sonic is a Sega character from years ago, and they've continued to make games with him. Mario, Adrian, Sonic. Mario, and the the Colleen O'Shaughnessy being cast. It's just uh, there's something about that that just like, hits me hard because of the fact that Chris Pratt is Mario. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you hear Tails speak and you're just like, oh, wow, that's why you hire the person who's always played Tails. Whereas I was looking it up and I was just thinking, well, maybe I could say the same thing for Sonic. But actually, many, many different voice actors have voiced Sonic over the years. So to have mm-hmm. uh, Ben Schwartz do Sonic when they, you know, kind of rebooted it as a live action movie a year or two years ago, a year or two years ago. Sorry, that was a blurred statement I just said. Um that was not so that I don't think that was that controversial, but the Chris Pratt and, and Charlie Day casting as Mario and Luigi respectively is uh, stupid. And I still think it's stupid. And I don't think there's anything that's going to make me think it's not stupid because there's no other. I don't think there's any other Mario voice actor that has ever been not that, hired yeah. in the history of Mario. And yeah, not that I'm aware of. I, I think what makes it just like worse is that they still hired Charles Martinet Martinet. Yeah, for the Mario movie. Well, isn't that the most crazy thing? Is that he's a he's a yeah. support cast member, which I don't even know what that means at all. Me neither. Probably going to be just used for like a stupid gag. Did you ever watch that um, clip on social media of Chris Pratt saying, "Oh, I'm so excited to be this character," and then he tries to do the voice and says, "Well, that's not the voice." I don't think so, actually. It's the it's the funniest thing about the whole for me. <laughs> he does it. I think he does it for real. Oh, I'm pretty sure he does it, and then what he thinks it is or like it's like a half for half baked version of it because he's not done with his voice coach to make the voice mm-hmm. anyways i can't wait for it because i'm just so curious so yeah. curious because chris pratt he's just so cool adrian yeah he is so cool you know who they should have hired to play mario if they weren't gonna bring back charles martinet who jared leto he obviously plays a really good italian oh dear yeah you know i uh, was bringing it back Bringing it back. Yeah, bringing it back, baby. Okay. What else did you watch this week? Anything else exciting? Um, yeah, there was also another trailer at the Game Awards. Sorry, Ken, in advance. Uh, for the new Halo 
TV series, actually, Simon. Yeah. And it looks um, expensive. It looks very expensive. Paramount Plus. It was only a mm-hmm, yeah, and it's a it's a one minute trailer. It's it's not much, but I don't know. I got pretty hyped for this. I'm actually playing through Halo Infinite right now, which recently launched. I've been playing a lot of that multiplayer as well because they launched that like a about a month ago, give or take like a few weeks. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm hyped for Halo. Like I'm not a like a diehard Halo fan. I've, I've mentioned it before. Like I, I do like the Halo games. I played them when I was younger. And then I recently played through uh, most of the Halo games like couch co-op with a buddy of mine over the past like couple years. Um, so with Halo Infinite releasing and, you know, me having like a PC, it's on Game Pass at no like additional cost. I was like, I'm obviously going to jump into this. I'm pretty hype. I like the story. I like the characters. And uh, I'm having a really fun time with the game. And and with the launch of that Halo series trail, I'm like, damn, like they can do something really cool with this and they can make a very interesting story. I'm wondering if they're going to follow like the game story directly or do something different. But either way, this show very clearly has a very high production value. and Or at least the trailer does. Yeah, fair point. And I think they nailed the aesthetic of the video game, how the armor looks, um, you know, how the, the spaceships look just the set design and everything like that. So I'm, uh, I'm very intrigued. This is coming out next year as well. So it's like not even that far away, even though to be fair, they've been working on this halo series. I feel like for 18 years, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, just keeps yeah. getting delayed. It's like Halo's, yeah, Halo's like 20 years old. So like that, that franchise has franchise has now been around for two full decades. And, I feel like there was rumblings of like a TV show slash a movie shortly after that first or second game. So yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a long time coming and I'm excited for it. I'm definitely going to watch it. Um, it just kind of sucks. It's on Paramount plus as an exclusive show, if I recall correctly. And we do get Paramount plus here in Canada, right? Like yeah. As you like can buy an additional channel. Yeah. So I don't know. I'll, I'll probably get it to watch this show. I don't know if I'll watch it week to week so I don't have to pay like a subscription week to week. But That's actually a good call out because it's a weird one. Paramount Plus being something you can just buy here in Canada, whereas all of the other independent ones like Peacock or um, like uh, HBO Max or like a lot – like Paramount's an interesting one because you kind of feel like it might be tied into CBS and they somehow would have some kind of existing deal with CTV or uh, CBC or I don't know global or whatever in canada but it doesn't and somehow you can get just get that streaming service whereas you cannot get hbo max you have to get crave it's mm-hmm. in, in crave for showtime same thing like show if they seem somehow have the rights held up by you know for showtime as well um yeah. crave does and stars as well is also held up by bell canada who owns crave so i i it's i don't know why i guess they're like ah cbs we don't care as much yeah i don't know why even NBC, like, where's Peacock content? It's everywhere. Like, we don't. Why don't we get Peacock in Canada? That's a weird one. No, I agree. You know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Good, good, great. Even, yeah. I mean, as someone that isn't a fan of Halo, Simon, um, like, what did you think of that Halo trailer? Like, is does that intrigue you at all, or are you kind of just like whatever? It does intrigue me. Yeah, the production values, man. No expense spared on that one. So I, I think that, yeah, they spared no expense, and I. I kind of excited for it a little bit and i don't know if i buy into paramount plus though i don't already own the streaming service so i'm not sure if it's worth it to go in for it but uh it does intrigue me because 
it does look good for sure. I, I think I'll wait for the reviews. If they're like just rocking, I'll be like, hmm, let's jump in. Let's, let's check her out. So we'll see. Cool. Cool beans. But that's pretty much all I watched um, that I have things to talk about. I've also started the League of Legends Arcane series, but I'm only like two or three episodes in. I'm really liking it so far, but I'll probably finish that by next week and give a little bit more of a deep dive into that show. Ooh, okay. Yeah. What have you watched, Simon? Um, what have you watched? I only really watched one other thing, uh, and that's other than the, like the Beatles documentary, which I'm on, and we just finished episode two or part two, like by Peter Jackson, which is great still, and it's very fantastic. I talked about it last week on episode 75. Um, yeah. Hold up. That just reminded me of something. So last week I said like Peter Jackson created Lord of the Rings. I just want to clarify. He like made the Lord of the Rings movies. I, I didn't I didn't say movies after I said Peter Jackson made Lord, the Lord of the Rings last week. I just, again, I want to clarify. Yeah. I was talking about just the movies. Yeah. Just real quick. I don't know. I didn't correction. pick up on that because I've kind of, I don't know. I, I completely assumed that you meant movies. I don't know if it's because you were just yeah. talking about movies or you talked about it shortly after. We were... But you never know. Better safe than sorry. You know what I mean? I don't want someone to be like that fucking idiot. Like yeah, <laughs> Peter yeah. Jackson didn't write the 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 Lord of the Rings movies. Or sorry, books. That was J.K. Rowling. Right. Yeah. Of course. That's that's more correct. Um, that's yeah, definitely exactly. not something that we would have to correct next week. Um, so thank you for clarifying. No worries. Uh, but yeah, I, I, the other thing I watched was the Apple TV Plus series and the ending of that series, Invasion. Invasion season Invasion. one is done, is completed, oh. uh, and it's very good. Question mark? I'm not sure. It's good. Let's just say it's good. Let's not put the very in there. Invasion, of course, is about aliens invading Earth. Adrian, I don't, I don't know if you know that based on the title, but no, yeah. Spoiler alert. And um, so that's what it's about. It's <laughs> it uh, you know stars Sam Neill. And uh, the music is very Best good. Best known for his role in Jurassic Park 1 and Jurassic Park 3. That's actually probably true. Anyway. Yeah. But he's in many other roles. Regardless, Invasion is good, I think. Uh, it is very slow. It The payoff is a little weird because it's, it's very strange at times. Like the pacing is a little... It's a little too slow. Like it spends too much time on certain characters and their emotional like... The, the, the things going through their mind is Max Richter's score. Max Richter, in my opinion, best known for his score for The Leftovers, the HBO show The Leftovers, which is just amazing. And the score here, also amazing. Very, very good musical score. And so the music like for the intro and for the rest of the show is awesome and epic. So it's fantastic. Probably the best part about the show. And I mentioned this before, I mentioned this last week and many other times, Apple TV Plus shows have an incredible production value. They have so much money to spare, seemingly, because they just use use it on all the, the stuff that makes it look absolutely amazing. And uh, man, the aliens in this are frightening. They look so good. They look so good, in my opinion. I think that they're great. And it's like, it's genuinely scary i i really do like the design and i like the way that they kind of thought that stuff through i just think that they don't they spend too much time with the humans and that's an okay thing because it feels like it's like they're kind of going for the walking dead angle where the people in the walking dead are the important thing not the mm -hmm. not the you know the the setting or the backdrop which is the, wa the the walkers that are coming to eat them 
which is important in the beginning oh, more no. so maybe, but as the show goes on, it's it's definitely a focus on the characters and their backstories, mm-hmm. which is kind of the way this works, but this is almost too still too focused on the people in a way that's, again, it's just a little too slow. That that's the that's the overall criticism, but it's worth watching in my opinion. Would you would you would you say that it's almost frustrating? Like you just want more alien? By the end, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah probably because there's so many episodes that uh, it just feels like that's the case. It's it, it, yeah, it's a little frustrating. Let's say it's a little frustrating. There is one piece that you- is legitimately frustrating though. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's the fact that the children in it are, in my opinion, badly written, badly acted. I hate kids. And there's too many of them. And that is oh, a no. glaringly bad thing that I cannot – maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just don't know how children act. I don't think so. I legitimately think that the writers do not know how children act. They never met a child in their life because they, they <laughs> do the stupidest things, constantly make the dumbest actions so that you want to hate the children. I don't know why you would do that. And there's too many children. And some of them aren't as as dumb and or don't make as many stupid decisions as the others. So you can kind of like there there are there's a group of kids that aren't as frustrating to watch. But uh, some of the kids, man, I I almost want you to watch it because I'm just so curious if I'm just the crazy one. Because I looked this up and there are people who agree with me online, but it's not that it's not like an overwhelming majority of people that are just saying, "Oh, this is awful." This is terrible. Well, Simon, yeah, you know, like one thing I'm always critical of, other than CG, is kid actors and how I dislike kid actors. And you're usually pretty okay with that. So if you noticed it, I might, I might blow my brains out if I watch this show. You might, but you also won't will miss out on the aliens, which I know that you really, really appreciate, and they're really well done. Like I, I, I must mm-hmm. say that the payoff is worth it when you actually see, see them. It's just a long road to the payoff, but I think that it is worth it. It's funny. It's a it's a it's a mixed bag for me, but uh, the epicness of the score and the way it's shot and the production value also kind of just really reels me in. Like the, yeah, it's just um, I don't know. It's just frustrating. Do you think I just can't believe it? Sometimes I'm just like I just don't get it. And, and honestly, my girlfriend, we watch it together, of course. And like when we look, I look at each, I look at her every time the child says something really dumb or does a dumb action. She's like, what? I get it. You hate the children in this show. <laughs> Stop looking at me while we're watching this show every time the child does something, okay? I can't take it anymore. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Fair enough. Do you think um, like the slowness of the first season is like meant for just set up for an action-packed season two? Like, Do you think they're going to turn it around? Because – if I recall correctly, this was renewed for season two. I might be jumping ahead. This might be in the montage, so apologies in advance. It is in the montage but, uh, because I wasn't sure I was going to say it here. But uh, but yeah, I, the it was renewed for season two, which is interesting. I think that the re- reviews are probably mostly that, that it's just too slow. The payoff is not enough based on how slow the pacing is. So I think that if mm-hmm. they're going to change anything, which they should, to make the show really good, that would be it. So just don't take your time like this to this extent. Speed it up a little bit. You got too much filler. 
too much of a kill the kids too much not even just the kids although there's a lot of kids filler in the beginning but there's like there's like scenes where like somebody's like walking into a, a room and there's just like it's like five minutes of this person like walking into a room with like great music because max richter does a great job he walks the person walks into a room and she's like looking at jackets in a closet like stop it i don't care and then she like takes off her clothing so she's, then she's wearing a bra in the bathroom and then she's changing like we don't need to see that i know you're trying to like do it for effect and like really create impact but we it's too much it's too much it happens so often and i i just like it's like a giant trailer in some way but i guess trailers are faster cut so i guess not that's not really a good example i don't know what i don't know it's just very epic because of the score but anyway yeah simon kinberg man i know he's the creator of this show and that guy's so hit or miss i feel like he has his name attached to so many good things but again he also has his name attached to some absolutely atrocious stuff, especially like X-Men Dark Phoenix or whatever, which he directed. So This show is know. definitely hit and miss. And I think that the greatest thing, again, I'm so excited for season two. Like I'm legitimately excited because they did do a oh. very, like they set it up very well. And they set up the end of episodes well, like so that you want to go back. Like the writing is not as bad as C. I think the C, like the Apple TV Plus show C with Jason Momoa is worse. The writing. Production values, again, on C are amazing. But the, like, C's writing is, the characters make decisions that you never would have thought they would have made based on the first, like, eight hours of watching a character. So I, I don't mm-hmm. get that at all. But the this show, you kind of, yeah, it's just the children making decisions that just don't, again, I don't think they've met a child. I don't think they've. Or maybe they weren't a child. Maybe there ali- there's aliens writing the show as well. I don't know. They were born as adults. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong too. Like maybe I, I, I'm I'm saying this, you know, putting this, uh, you know, taking this out of proportion. But anyway, let's move on, Adrian. That's my thoughts on Invasion. I think it's worth it for you to watch because of, of the aliens. But you, you would know if you didn't like the children right in the first two episodes, I think. Oh, I won't like the children. Spoiler alert. I already know. <laughs> But I was I was enjoying it because it's like almost like a B movie in that way. Uh, I actually liked it because I, I knew at a certain point I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> it just is so bad that I was almost excited to see them on screen because I knew that it was gonna be bad. So I it's so bad it's good almost. Kind of. <laughs> that's the thing uh, about that aspect. And uh, I feel like that's not a good thing for a show that's like it's weird. meant to be serious. I can compartmentalize it though. I don't know why, but oh. in this particular thing, I could compartmentalize it. I'm like, okay, cool. The children are on screen, so I know that this could be depending on if there's you know aliens around as well. This could be both good and really bad at the same time. Or you know, if they're not for the aliens, then you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. No, and all, not all the children were that badly written. There's there's scenes that make sense. They're 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 fine. I'm I'm maybe exaggerating a bit, but it's it's just certain scenes. They're awful. Anyway, I, I digress. We're talking about this for a long time. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to the news, shall we? Adrian, this early? Yeah, this isn't that early. You gotta get to work. Seven twenty nine a.m. That's true. Fuck. Yeah. All right. Let's begin with a small collection of more focused stories that have been particularly pertinent this week. Number one, as publication Variety reports, Warner Brothers has cast Fargo and Parks and Recreation actor Nick Offerman as the character Bill in the upcoming HBO Max The Last of Us TV series. (gasps) The Last of Us, 
is a TV show adaptation of developer Naughty Dog's narratively driven survival horror video game series of the same name. The Last of Us is a very human story that follows a smuggler named Joel, played by Pedro Pascal, who is tasked with transporting a young girl named Ellie, played by Bella Ramsey, across the United States during a zombie apocalypse. The series is being developed by Chernobyl creator Craig Mazin with the assistance of Naughty Dog creative director Neil Druckmann. The role of Bill was initially given to Chernobyl actor Con O'Neill, but was reportedly recast due to scheduling conflicts. Adrian, I know you're a big Last of Us fan. We've talked about this at length, and I apologize to Ken in advance for talking about video games, but this is very related Mm -hmm. to film and TV. What are you thinking about the casting of Nick Offerman as Bill? I think uh, that casting is awesome. I I can definitely see it. I really like Nick Offerman as an actor, and I think he can do a hell of a good job playing Bill. Bill's a really interesting character in the uh, games. He plays uh, a a relatively minor part in in the first um, game, but... He's one of the uh, few characters that uh, I, I would argue like leaves a big impact on the the, the main cast um, when, when you're playing through it. He's he's like a gay man and you kind of follow his story um, through like the environmental storytelling, like what happened in Bill's past by, you know, finding letters around and stuff like that. And I think what The Last of Us game always did incredibly well is that environmental storytelling where you can figure out who bill was by just exploring but if you don't you don't get as much out of his character so i'm i'm very excited to see him get even more developed on screen i think they can spend more time i feel like with hbo's uh last of Us series i think i think they're going to slow it down a bit and they're going to take their time telling this story and i'm very excited about that um and i i really like bill as a character and i want to see him yeah get get expanded upon more I think with Con O'Neill dropping out, that's I'm I'm kind of shocked. Like, yeah, sure, you have scheduling conflicts, but what is bigger? The Last of Us TV show is going to be huge. There's no doubt in my mind. It's one of like the the most popular video games. Well, not not in the grand scheme of things, but it's one of the best regarded video games. Let's say, and the idea that you're going to drop out of the show for I don't know what else is foolish i guess i guess only time will tell like what con o'neill left the show for but i just find it such an odd choice what do you think yeah it is odd i agree too like he's not incredibly well known he's definitely not as well known as nick offerman um no nick offerman's in that uh upcoming like um pamela anderson series too yeah with um with um sebastian stan and uh lily james right it's lily james yeah that's right yeah, Miller James. Real quick aside, did you watch that trailer? It's a really good trailer. It's awesome. Yeah, it is really good. Yeah, yeah it looks really good. And uh, Nick Offerman looks ridiculous, and so does Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm excited. I, I think I will, I will watch that as well. But uh, he, he gets cast in a lot of these neat parts on TV series that mm-hmm. uh, he does a great job in time after time, I feel like. Like Parks and Rec is one, is, one, is a good part, yeah. but it's kind of like he might be pretty close to that character in real life. In that he literally does carpentry. He like I think he makes canoes. Like he'll actually mm. do that for real. And he seems like a, he's an outdoorsman anyway. So he's, yeah, that's probably the role has probably been closest to his real life. Maybe he would say something different, but um, but yeah, but that yeah, it it does strike me as a little strange that Con O'Neill would do that. And then it's you know scheduling conflicts, which 
honestly, scheduling conflicts, the more they use the words scheduling and conflicts together, the more I think that that's never scheduling conflicts. Like they, that's not a, not an actual thing that's happening. Or maybe it's such a broad term that like, what does that mean? Like, oh yeah, scheduling conflicts, my, oh man, my family uh, Christmas dinner. Damn. We're having a Christmas party. <laughs> oh, we're going to Disney World <laughs> that week. Like we, we don't know what people are really doing here. Maybe, maybe he's, maybe he's something more serious. Maybe he's got somebody who's ill in his family. We, we don't know. So I, I don't know that scheduling, con- I'm wondering And the next story actually talks about scheduling conflicts. So we'll get into that, but. I don't know why he would do this because you're right. It might be the biggest show after Game of Thrones. Like it, theoretically, we don't know for sure whether it will be a hit, but I think there's enough fans of the game that it should bring people in. And if it's extremely well done, if it's over 90% of Ron Tomatoes, if there's a lot of hype, if HBO does a great job marketing it, it could be one of the greatest shows. Think about it too. Like you got HBO making a now a Walking Dead situation. And The Walking Dead is incredibly popular, although The Walking Dead's popularity has waned over the years because people have maybe gotten a little zombie fatigued. This is like a different take on zombies. It's an even more human story than The Walking Dead ever kind of was, potentially. Yeah, because it's more hyper-focused on really just two characters as opposed to like a ensemble cast. Like, yeah, yeah, in The Last of Us, you meet a bunch of different characters on Joel and Ellie's journey, but at the end of the day, it's Joel and Ellie's journey. They are the they are the characters that we're following. And I imagine that's what this show is also going to be. Yeah, we'll probably spend more time with those uh, additional characters that, you know, we come across in the game. But at the end of the day, it's going to be Joel and Ellie episode to episode as opposed to, you know, eight to ten characters in every single episode that, you know, get killed off and then new characters get added in, et cetera, so on and so forth. So not to knock yeah, The can- Walking Dead as well as like a comparison, but I feel like The Walking Dead is like very much a zombie apocalypse series to the point where it like it calls itself that and if you look at the it's a comic and the comic is it's kind of almost not extreme but it goes to these extreme places which is good and it's again not a knock on robert kirkman's comic but i think yeah, i love it it's it's amazing and uh, i mean both you and i have been very positive uh about the about series walking dead yeah yeah but well, but, so. but in contrast though the last of us is kind of like a, a very mature story in a way that the walking dead isn't if you know what I'm saying, and that they don't all, honestly, yeah, if you look at write-ups for, I, I I don't know if I've seen one yet that calls it a, zo- a zombie apocalypse. I, I call it a zombie apocalypse because it is. Let's call it what it is because this is a it is a story in the zombie apocalypse. But it, most of the it's write-ups for apocalypse. the Last of Us don't say zombie apocalypse. Right? They say fungus. A fungus comes and it it you know it causes this causes disease. It's like okay, mm. it's fine. But like, there's zombies in it. Like, what? they're infected. What are we talking Simon? about? It's different. Yeah, there are terrifying zombies, though. They're far more terrifying than The mm. Walking Dead zombies. To be clear. Yeah, I can't wait to see like a clicker on the on screen and how how they how they're gonna do that. It's uh, goddamn, I'm so stoked for this. Yeah, it's exciting. This is like next year, I imagine. Like, it's it's. I know they're still filming it, but this is this is definitely coming out next year. I'm hoping. Yeah, it's 2022. Possibly, I'm fairly certain. I didn't yeah. put that in the write up, but I thought I read that. Maybe I maybe yeah. I'm wrong. I just can't wait. I'm like so excited. Like I'm excited to watch this with like my family and stuff. I'm like, this is what I play. This is why I love video games. It is not stupid. There's also the concept too. I don't know who it was, but someone was talking about working with Nick Offerman, and they mentioned was that the same? Maybe that was a different article, but they mentioned that Craig Mazin's writing is so good and i know that to be true from chernobyl and so this is the exciting thing is that i feel like 
the you've got all of the components of a really good show. You got HBO automatically, the money from HBO is huge. Craig Mazin, who made an incredible show in Chernobyl, working with the creative director from Naughty Dog, who made the f- first two games, Last of Us and Last of Us Part Two, uh, Neil Druckmann, and then you got all this cast, which again, every one of these actors has kind of got this like pretty good reputation, like Pedro Pascal for sure. But then you got Bell Ramsey, who's got a pretty good reputation from Game of Thrones. Now you've got mm-hmm. Nick Offerman, and then they've even added some characters who voiced characters in the game, some actors mm-hmm. who voiced characters in the game. Who did a great job in the in the game and uh, and have been actors in their own right. And there's just again, there's all the pieces that just tell me that they know what they're doing and the way that they've talked about it. You know, unlike for instance, when certain people have talked about Uncharted, mm-hmm. not really that doesn't imbue much confidence. But because it doesn't no. seem like they knew what Uncharted was about, but it seems like everybody involved knows what this is about, and. Uh, uh, I'd be shocked if it's bad, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. That'll be my biggest disappointment. It could be. It, it could literally be life. bad. I, I, you never know. But it'll be my biggest disappointment since Kingdom Hearts three, Simon. Yeah, sure. I was very disappointed. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts three, audience, is a video game from Square Enix in which uh, Disney characters are mashed up with Final Fantasy characters in the most convoluted story you've ever seen in your life. Okay. Well, Simon, you want to hear the, the worst news about it? There's no Final Fantasy characters in the third one until they release that DLC. It's ridiculous. God damn it. Sorry, Ken. There way. aren't? No, they, literally none of the Final Fantasy characters show up in Kingdom Hearts 3. They they show up in the DLC that they added that's like $40. That's like two hours long. What? That literally just tells the end of the game again. It's ridiculous. Pisses me off. Huh. Didn't know that. Anyway, all right, yeah. let's move on to number two. According to publication Deadline, director Patty Jenkins has stepped down from her role as director of Paramount's upcoming Gal Gadot, starring Cleopatra movie, and has since been replaced by Falcon and the Winter Soldier director Carrie Skogland. Jenkins has reportedly chosen to step away due to scheduling conflicts generated by both her Wonder Woman film sequel over at Warner Brothers and, surprisingly, her Star Wars Rogue Squadron film over at Disney. As you may recall, Disney recently removed Star Wars Rogue Squadron from the Star Wars release slate after also claiming that Jenkins was dealing with those same pesky scheduling conflicts that we seem to hear so often about. But shortly after Disney's Star Wars release date shuffle, former The Hollywood Reporter editor Matthew Bologna called Disney out for disallowing their hired creators the proper creative freedom required for these Star Wars projects to come to light. For example, The Last Jedi director Ryan Johnson and HBO's Game of Thrones creators Benioff and Weiss are two sets of creatives that were announced by Disney to be handling imminent Star Wars projects, but as of now, their films are no longer thought to be in the works due to this purported studio meddling. Based on his inside sources, Baloney claimed that the Rogue Squadron Jenkins project was currently sitting at a severe impasse due to a collection of Disney executives interfering with the project. The Cleopatra film, on the other hand, is based upon a script by Alita Battle Angel screenwriter Leita Kalagridis and remains set to be produced by Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot. Adrian, what are you thinking about this? What are you thinking about this Patty Jenkins in or, or not situation with both Cleopatra and Rogue Squadron? Hmm. Um, well, I don't know. This is an interesting one. I, I, I'll be honest. Like, I don't. I couldn't really care all that much about the Cleopatra movie, so I'm fine with her kind of stepping away from that. And if she is 
going to be making the Rogue Squadron movie because that's kind of what people assume by this. Sweet. Um, that means that we'll probably get a Star Wars movie next year or the year after or whatever. Um, but I, again, I, I, I find this uh, an interesting situation because, yeah, like, I mean, we've talked about it before. Disney just seems like they're not gun shy. Um, when it comes to just replacing their directors or not letting their directors do what they want with Star Wars. Um, and I think, unfortunately, Ryan Johnson and the uh, lash uh, back that came with, um, you know, The Last Jedi has a lot to do with it. Uh, because shortly after that movie came out, you know, there was I, actually maybe not. Maybe it was even before that when they replaced the um, into the Spider-Verse guys from the Han Solo Solo movie called Solo, A Star Wars Story. But yeah, like again, it, it's a uh, this is an interesting one, and I wonder if like Jenkins is coming back to Rogue Squadron because they're allowing her now to like her creative freedom, or if they are, you know, coming to some sort of deal where it's like, listen, you got to do it our way, but this is a Star Wars movie, and you're gonna make a shit ton of money if you if you do it the way we want it to. I don't know. It's it's an interesting one because I find it a little bit odd that. You know, shortly after, I mean, I guess not shortly, it's been about a year, but shortly after the Wonder Woman sequel came out. And again, that was was not well received by, I think, critics and fans alike that uh, she was kind of pushed away from this Rogue Squadron movie. I don't know. It's uh, a lot of this is speculation, of course, but I do find this interesting. And, and I wonder if she is actually going back to make this Rogue Squadron movie. Yeah, Deadline article is strange because like the, it. Like people have quoted it saying that that's what's happening, but there's no other evidence to suggest it. So like, I wonder if like the deadline writer didn't realize that she was supposed to be potentially stepping away from the Star Wars Rogue Squadron movie and they didn't remember that or didn't know about it. But like a lot of places have reported on the deadline article saying that I don't, I don't know if that's just a mistake, a misstep somewhere, but that article existed for a few days and no one seemed to correct it. So that, that seems to be the scheduling conflicts that's caused this. There's like, there's like, this is a compounding scheduling conflicts though. Like, it's a little bit of a joke. Like, get scheduling there's conflicts so on one hand from Disney saying that, you know, Patty Jenkins is not going to work on Rogue Squadron, and then on the other hand, she's saying uh, scheduling conflicts mean that she's not going to work on the Cleopatra movie. So, which one is she stepping away from, or is it both? And she's only working on Wonder Woman three. It, yeah. it is odd. Like this is a very unusual situation, and it would be very strange if she didn't do both. Um, yeah, I agree. Like to be fair, like if I was in her position and you had the choice of making a Cleopatra movie, no disrespect to Cleopatra, obviously, but versus like a Star Wars movie, like I mean, come on, like why wouldn't you make the Star Wars movie? So not a not a big history buff, I take it. No, not really. Okay, well, some some would say differently, but. Uh, I'm sure some would. Yeah, some but people aren't I, like, really a fan of Star Wars anyway. But she she was definitely a fan of this. She said she's making the the greatest fighter pilot movie ever made. I think that's the, mm -hmm. the word she used. And I said that last time we talked about this story. It's just this is a very weird drama filled situation. It, it, like I just don't get this. Like they were at an impasse, so did they did they get past it? Like, and she took all, on all three projects. So that's the other thing about saying you have scheduling conflicts. Like you. It was announced that she was taking all three projects by like these sources for months. And then all of a sudden she's got scheduling conflicts with one of them. Like why would she take them on if she didn't schedule around it? Considering I think we talked about how the Cleopatra movie like and the Wonder Woman movie, she's kind of like 
crucial for those movies because she kind of is so ingrained in the Cleopatra one. She's like, I think she probably even just incited it to begin with. And then the Wonder Woman one, obviously they trust her a lot at Warner Brothers because they they like what she did with the first film. Although again, second one not critically acclaimed or loved by audiences. So, uh, but the only thing she's doing now is Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. So as far as we know, yeah, yeah. This is a this is a weird situation. But mm-hmm. I guess we'll find out if if Star Wars is ever going to have a movie ever again. Maybe they're maybe they're done. They can't they can't get anything off the ground because there's like 15 chefs in the kitchen kitchen saying, "Oh no 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 no! I am an executive who works for this company, and I say you cannot do that in a Star Wars movie. I know Star Wars more than anyone else. I love Spock." <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah, cool. All right, who knows what's happening with cool. that? Who knows? I don't. That's for sure. I actually do not know. I have no insight. Although we are in the industry. Yeah, of course. We don't have any insight on this. We're, we're in the industry, but not not, not at all in the industry. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Number three. According to Deadline, Marvel's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings director Destin Daniel Cretton has signed an exclusive multi-year deal with Disney's Marvel Studios and Hulu to create film and TV content for the two platforms. As a result, Disney has confirmed that Cretton will officially be returning to direct the now greenlit Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings sequel film. Cretton has also been tapped to develop a Disney Plus Marvel Cinematic Universe-based series, which is currently in development. Marvel Studios president Kevin Foggy expressed his excitement for the new deal when he said, quote, Destin is an amazing collaborator who brought a unique perspective and skill to Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We had a fantastic time working together on the film, and he has so many intriguing ideas for stories to bring to life on Disney+. So we're thrilled to expand our relationship with him and can't wait to get started, unquote. Adrian, what do you make of this? I think this, uh, what I make is this is good. I'm, I'm quite excited. I, again, I've, I've mentioned before how much I love Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And although, uh, like you made the argument that it's fairly Marvel, similar Marvel formula, you know, to like Iron Man, Black Panther and all that stuff. I think it it does a lot of cool and unique things, especially in the... Uh, you know, third act of the movie that kind of sets it apart um, and sets it above those movies in, in my personal opinion. So I'm very excited for him to be coming back. And again, I really like Shang-Chi as a character. I love Aquafina's uh, you know, role in that and just more of that and their relationship, this like platonic friendship, which I hope they don't really dive deep. Like I, I don't want them to, you know, like continue the story and like, oh, they fall in love, blah, 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 blah. I, I like the idea of like, you know, platonic friendship between a man and a woman. Um, and I and I wish they that they go down that route. But uh, either way, I, I don't I think know this about is, that actually. Aren't they going to? I mean, they they probably will. But I, I hope they don't is what I'm saying. Um, and yeah, again, like him coming in to make a Disney Plus series as well. Like I have a couple of ideas like what that might be. Um and I assume it's going to be something to follow up with Shang-Chi um, or that they set up in Shang-Chi. So I think this is great. I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he's being brought in and, and, you know, more diversity in the, you know, director landscape and as well as on, you know, the big screen itself is uh, is a good thing. And uh, I'm excited to see where this goes. What about you? Yeah. Everything you said pretty much. It's exciting. As much as Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings kind of follows that Marvel formula it does it in such a way that's uh, 
it's distinctly competently done. I think I said that on the review when we talked about Shang-Chi and the Legend of, of the Ten Rings in, in, in full. And uh, Destin Daniel Cretton clearly had a fairly distinct vision and he followed through very well. And when Kevin Feige talks about how Cretton has such great ideas for Disney Plus series, it's uh, certainly quite intriguing for me. I don't know what the um, the show is. Do we do we know what the show is? Because I couldn't find anything unless I missed no. something. I don't think they announced the show. I just have a couple of ideas what it might be. Oh, yeah? And I think one of it was set up in like an after credit scene in Shang-Chi. That's my assumption. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess we'll find out then. Mm-hmm. Now onto the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, as Variety reports, Spider-Man actor Tom Holland has recently been cast as famous triple threat showman Fred Astaire in the Sony Pictures upcoming Fred Astaire-based biopic. Wow. That's cool. I'm not too familiar with Fred Astaire. Hmm. Okay. He's kind of legendary. Like a, like a dragon. Number two. As publication deadline reports, Network AMC has officially renewed the Walking Dead spin-off Fear the Walking Dead for an eighth season. Eight seasons. That's wild. I uh, still need to watch, I guess, season six. And I guess seven. Wild. I really hated four and five. Number three. According to Variety... The Batman actor Colin Farrell will reprise his role as Batman villain The Penguin in the currently in development HBO Max Penguin-based crime drama series. Good, because it would be pointless to make a series without Colin Farrell, since he is portraying that character in the Batman movie. Number four, according to The Hollywood Reporter, Netflix has chosen to cancel their live-action Cowboy Bebop series adaptation after only one season. That's kind of too bad. Um, I know it was like critically panned, but I feel like a lot of people were watching it and talking about it. So, feel bad? Not enough. Bad. I would imagine that if it had the viewership, that's the reason they would keep it. Yeah, maybe it just had like a very significant drop off because it was like number one in Canada for like a couple days for sure. Number five, as Variety reports, Apple's Apple TV Plus drama thriller TV series Invasion has been renewed for a second season. Wow, I heard that you're excited for this earlier today. Number six. As reported by Deadline, Amazon Prime has greenlit a The Boys animated spin-off anthology TV series called Diabolical. The show will feature eight episodes and will air in 2022. Neato. This is uh, this is one of the spin-offs that uh, is are, is happening, and I know that they are making or trying to make um, another Boys spin-off series, which is like a high school, like a like almost like a, a gifted school. Charles Xavier is a gifted school, but the boys. That's a really bad description. Not also very accurate. Number seven, as followed by The Hollywood Reporter, Apple has hired Vice Director Adam McKay and Silver Linings Playbook star Jennifer Lawrence to star in an upcoming film following the rise and fall of entrepreneur Elizabeth Holmes' Silicon Valley-based tech company Theranos. The new film is set to be called Bad Blood, and will be written and directed by McKay. Oh, interesting. Um, currently, Don't Look Up is not being reviewed too well, unfortunately, which is his Netflix movie that's coming out. I think it's sitting at a 50, yeah, 55% on Rotten Tomatoes as of right now. Hmm. Number eight, as Deadline reports, writer-director M. Night Shyamalan's next horror film for Universal Studios will be called Knock at the Cabin. It will star Dune actor Dave Bautista and will premiere on February 3rd, 2023. Cool. I'll probably watch this, even though old was a bad movie. It's ridiculous. 
I can't wrap my head around it. Not a good movie. Number nine. According to The Hollywood Reporter, actors Rami Malek, Florence Pugh, and Benny Safdie have each been cast in Dunkirk director Christopher Nolan's recently announced J. Robert Oppenheimer World War II biopic. What a stellar cast this movie's gonna have. Or has. Number 10. As reported by Variety, Rocky actor Sylvester Stallone has been cast as a modern-day New York City mobster in the upcoming Paramount Plus drama series from Boardwalk Empire showrunner Terrence Winter and Sicario screenwriter Tyler Sheridan. Oh, okay. That's a pretty good get. Pretty good get. And that concludes the montage. Blah, montage. It's very early in the morning. All right, Adrian. What do you got for me, buddy? What do you got for me? Oh, Simon, I got new releases for you. This is for the week of December the 13th to December the 19th, a Monday to a Sunday, as per usual, baby. All righty. And are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All are right. you ready? Yes. All right. The first few movies are coming out on Wednesday, December the 15th. The first one being Hand of God, which is a Netflix original Italian drama set in the 80s in Naples. Naples in the 80s. Okay. Yeah. Rumble is up next. This is confirmed by Movie Insider and the official Twitter page for the movie. This is actually coming to Paramount+. And this movie, animated adventure movie, is loosely based on a graphic novel called Monster on the Hill. And it has a uh, fairly star-studded cast, including both Terry Crews and Will Arnett. Oh, wow. Yeah. X-Plant is up next. This is confirmed by Movie Insider. This is also coming to Paramount+. Plus. Um, this is a movie about boobs you'll definitely want to see. That's like one of the taglines of the movie. It's a powerful documentary about Michelle Visage, who's best known for her role as a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race, who tells her story about her breast implant removal and the negative side effects that come with getting these implants done. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The next couple movies are coming out on Thursday, December the 16th. The first one being A California Christmas City Lights. This is a Netflix original sequel to the last year's hit movie, A California Christmas, Simon. You watch A California Christmas, that hit movie? I have not. Me neither. Okay. Probably isn't good. Okay. But you know what is probably good? What? Puff, Wonders of the Reef, which is a Netflix original documentary about a baby pufferfish trying to find a home in the Great Barrier Reef. Why is this probably good? I don't know. It just seems like a cool premise. Okay. Don't you think? Yeah, I think it's possible. I just think you just stretch that out so that you can make a reference and segue Segui to the next movie here. Yeah. You know that the guy that invented the Segui uh, killed himself by riding a Segui off a cliff? Segui. You know that? It's a fact. So, I'm sorry? I think you're confusing it with Segway, which is spelled differently. S-E-G-W-A-Y. You're talking about the motorized... S-E-G-U-E, isn't it spelled the same way? The electric scooter? Do you yeah. stand up? Is it also... Yeah. Is that also... Is it? Is that spelled S-E-G-W-A-Y? Segway. The actual Segway is spelled S-E-G-W-A-Y. Oh, it is. That's unbelievable. You thought Segway... You thought Segway was spelled as in... Like you're making it's a... like, oh, we're making a segue. Yeah, I did. I did indeed. <laughs> okay. It's funny because I thought that segue, because segue existed already before I really looked at the spelling of the word segue, S-E-G-U-E. Mm-hmm. 
I was like, oh, Segway must be spelled like the the brand Segway. But you thought mm-hmm. the opposite. You thought that Segway was spelt like the thing where you merge two things, two topics together mm-hmm. seamlessly. Yeah. All right. Okay. It's very odd. You're very the odd. Difference between our two minds this early in the morning. No, just in general, but also this early in the morning because I feel like you're forgetting things that we've said 20 minutes ago. Huh? Normally you forget things that have been said maybe 30 minutes 40 before. 40 minutes. Or 40 minutes. Now you're forgetting them about five minutes. Uh, I'm just going to do a big stretch here, Simon. Oh, big stretch, morning stretch. (laughs) The next movies that are coming out are coming out on Friday, December the 17th. Hi, Ellie. Good morning. Ah. Do you hear sniffing in the microphone? I didn't. I just heard you saying, ah. Ellie's sniffing into the microphone. Sorry, is that your turtle? That's my daughter. Your daughter. You have a, chi- a human child? It's an adopted daughter. Yes, Simon. Oh. An adopted daughter. Okay. Anyways, the next movies that are coming out are coming out on Friday, December the 17th. And the first one is a movie called Swan Song. This is confirmed by Movie Insider. And this is an Apple TV Plus original movie. Uh, and it's about Mahershala Ali that gets a terminal illness, but is presented with an alternative solution by his doctor to keep his family away from grief, Simon. Cloning. Yeah, maybe. No, it is. It's in the trailer. Maybe. Oh, it is? <laughs> yes. Oh, damn. I didn't know that. That's wild. Yeah. Looks good. I'm kind uh, of interested in that. Marisha Ali and uh, Naomi Harris, I believe. Oh, damn. Okay. Maybe I'll watch that. I had no idea that there was cloning. I just yeah. read the write-up and I was like, there was no cro- cloning. I'm not involved. sure if I like this or not, but Apple TV Plus shows and uh, I think movies as well, they always show like previews of the other Apple TV Plus shows that mm-hmm. are upcoming. Like they never do advertisements for anything else, but they just advertise their own series. I, I don't yeah. know if they do it based on what you've already watched or they're just doing it based on shows that they kind of want to build hype for, but that's not something you find yeah. too often on other other platforms. Does Disney Plus do that? Amazon Prime does it. Yeah, Amazon does it. Netflix doesn't, though. No, thank God. Yeah, I don't know if Disney Plus does. I don't think so. I'm going to say no. Usually, like, when the credits are going on Disney Plus, it'll be like, oh, watch this show next, and it's, like, related to something that you were watching, or watch this movie next. The thing I would say, though, is that, we again, I've said this a hundred times, but Apple TV Plus, their their quality of production values is so high for every single show. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not in the... They're not in the Netflix boat where Netflix is like a like more diverse kind of giant library. Yeah, Netflix Yeah, Netflix will give you the worst shit you've ever seen in your goddamn life, but also give you some of the best stuff you've ever seen in your life. Right. I point this out because of course I feel like I'm less offended by seeing an Apple commercial because every one of their Apple TV Plus series or movies seems to be a very high quality. So the advertisements are usually of high quality as well. Including the advertisement for that movie, Swan Song with Mahershala Ali. And that's kind of why I brought this whole thing up. Yeah. Anyways, the next movie that's coming out is a movie called Mother Slash Android. It's confirmed by Movie Insider. This is coming to Hulu, Simon. Um, so I don't know if this will be coming to Disney Plus Star. It's possible, but I couldn't find a confirmation of that. I only found the confirmation of it coming to Hulu. But this is about a young couple trying to get out of their country as the world fights with AI. Ah, uh, yes. AI stands for artificial intelligence. Raised by wolves. Mm-hmm. 
Next up is a movie called Wild Game. This is confirmed by Movie Insider on the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie, and it's about a fatal run-in with local authorities makes an easy poaching job for a rancher. Not so easy. Okie dokie. Last words is coming up next. It's confirmed by Movie Insider on the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie. It's about the last five people left on Earth in 2085, but they're having a good time, actually. Okay. Yeah. This one's a wild one. All right, you ready for this? This one's called The Scary of 61st. It's confirmed by Movie Insider on the Apple TV app. It's a video on demand movie, and it's about two college pals that find the deal of a lifetime while apartment hunting. But soon after moving in, a random woman shows up and tells them that the apartment was used to be owned by Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, damn. Yeah, I was like, what? When I read that, I was like, this is a what? Like, what is it? What is this going to be? Is a fictional story? I think so. Huh? I think so. It's weird. Anyways. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of college, the, the, the boys spinoff live action series is, it yeah. is about soups like in college. Like it's a college campus for soups. Mm. It's not high school. Whatever. You said something else that was inaccurate about that show, but I can't remember what it's it was. Like a, like a, it's like the gifted school for Xavier's kids. Right, but that's not what it is because it's it's going to be like a raunchy like teen, not, not really teen movie, like a, like a 20-something movie where these college kids are just basically getting drunk and doing stupid things. Yeah. That's basically like what they're time. going for, I think. Sounds like a good time. Bless you, Ellie. Bless you. Oh, man. Is your child sick? Does she have COVID? No, she just... She's a little sneezy. She's okay. a little sneezy. Okay. She's getting some belly rubs right now. Have her have her talk on the on the on the podcast. She doesn't speak, Simon. She barks. You said she's a human child. I asked you whether it was a human child, and you said I said it's an adopted daughter. I never said that it was a human. You said yeah, said it's a human child. You can roll the tape back, audience, and listen to eh, Okay, whatever. I don't care. Adrian Call Nightmare Alley's coming dog, up. dog a human child. Okay. Nightmare Alley is coming up next, and it's coming out to theaters. And I still don't really know what this movie is about, but I'm quite excited for it because those trailers were great. It's about a circus. Yeah. It's about the hijinks that goes on at this circus. That's all we need to know. Hijinks I don't want to know the plot. Are you saying we don't that's know what I'm saying? You know what the plot is? Yeah, I don't either. Thank God. Yeah, I don't want to know. That's why I said those trailers are great, Simon. Guillermo del Toro with his friggin'. You, I think you. Uh, we watched it in the same kind of environment. The set, the one of the last trailers that kind of aired, and you're like, "Man, I don't want to see horse. this." And we didn't see anything. <laughs> There's again nothing in the trailer. There's something yeah. about doing trailers like that, even like Tenet, like a lot of the Christopher Nolan movies. I find Tonight. they don't reveal in, like enough that I feel like, "Oh man, they reveal the whole whole movie." Yeah. But it's just a common thing nowadays. They feel like they have to overdo it. Like the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, the last one was so unnecessary. Is there people yeah. didn't want to go see it after seeing that Alf- Alfred Molina was returning as yeah as Doc Ock? Anyway, what's the next movie coming out? I really love Tenet. That's a great movie. It's an amazing movie. That, it also didn't get. Yeah. I feel like the, the the you know the the love it deserved. That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree with that statement. And the last movie coming out this week is Spider Man: No Way Home. Oh my God! I just talked about Spider Man. You did. What a good segue, Sagui. Segui. Hey, did you know that the guy that invented the Segway <laughs> drove Segway off a cliff and died? He drove a connecting sentence between two two topics off a cliff and died? 
Yeah. How wild is that? That's unbelievable. How did he do that? Did he think that it could be, if he said a segue, he could potentially create a physical object and then try to jump on it off a cliff? Yeah. He wasn't the brightest, but yeah. Damn. That makes sense. Yeah. I actually feel bad for saying he wasn't the brightest. Like we shouldn't speak ill of the dead. Yeah. It's not nice. Unless it's Hitler. Did he actually though for real? The guy who created a segue drove off a cliff and died. Is that a real thing? Mm -hmm. Do I have to Snopes Snopes fact check this? Because I feel like it's not true. Okay. Segway guy died. James William Jimmy Hazelden OBE was a British entrepreneur. Yep. Maker of Segway. Mm -hmm. How did the Segway guy die? Accidental fall off cliff while riding a Segway. From where are you reading this? Uh, This is Wikipedia. Don't use Wikipedia. Forbes. Oh. It's also on Forbes. Okay. Not that Wikipedia is bad. I love Wikipedia, but somebody could have edited that because that sounds outrageous. Yeah. Businessinsider.com as well. Actually, never mind. This is different. But anyways, yeah. Forbes. Okay. That's crazy. So it's reliable. That's uh, It's so unfortunate. Poor guy. I know. That's kind of shocking. Yeah, not a good advertisement for the product, that's for sure. No, it isn't. Okay. Anyways, that's it. That's all, Simon. That's it. That's all. We're done. Let's wrap it up. All righty. Well, thank you for joining me at uh, six in the morning, Adrian. You're welcome. You're welcome. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Yeah, it's quite uh, quite a bit of dedication. I appreciate that. And um, if you, audience, would like to commit to us, you can, of course, Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, wherever you'd like to listen, and wherever you prefer to listen. We're even on YouTube and to some extent as well. You can subscribe to us on there as well. And uh, if you don't mind writing us a review on one of these platforms, any platform that kind of takes it like Apple Podcasts does, I would much appreciate any review you might write. Um, yeah, that's about it. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. To the 76th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. Yes, it is I, Simon Eady. And uh, you and I woke up quite early today. But you know who else wakes up early? Simon? Batman from Batman v Superman, which is a good movie. It's a, it's a great movie, even. Um, and so is Resident Evil. Welcome to Rackington. That movie's great, too. I love that movie. Why are it's you a good doing movie. That? I stand by it. It's, it's a good movie, man. And I recommend people watch it. I want there to be a sequel. You're starting a rift between us. You're starting a rift. An Oculus rift. Eventually, you're going to start incorporating it. You're going to say, you know who also woke woke up early? Um, um, the the people Claire Redfield from Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon Town. And well, Simon, she wakes up early ideally, every day and she exercises. Well, ideally, we never have to, I, I never have to use that as a segui into that last bit because we never wake up this early for this show again, ever. Okay. I'm saying as an ideally. example, you could have said it, but oh. anything else. You, you, wait, are you saying you do normally use the exact same ending twice for our podcast? Uh uh uh. Never. Because you're unoriginal and you just keep coming up with the same ones no over repeats. and over again. You're unoriginal, you bitch. <laughs> no, I'm saying that you're saying that. But anyways, Adrian, we've gone way too long. We keep ending this podcast and then not ending it. So I'm going to say to everybody, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Take care. Goodbye. Sleep tight. Have a good day at work.